A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Raw Preview. I'm Michael Sidgwick in the absence of Adam Wilborn, who you will again miss. And I'm joined by fellow Dadly boy Michael Hamflit to preview everything that's in store for us on Monday Night Raw tonight. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, please make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We preview and review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Dynamite, pay-per-views we hold wrestling roundtable discussions we conduct wrestler interviews and we also hold a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz of course on wrestle culture with hamflit it's what tonight uh, i can't uh, at what at what point do we say you excited for tonight's show like yes. facade you're not are you uh no but the novelty is not worn off of crowds just yet they we the, the return of crowds was looking like it was going to be so staggered that those original dreams in the darkest days of March, April 2020, where we just imagined it would be like a switch and we get them all back. They were seeming lost to the social distance WrestleMania, to the clap crowds of New Japan, etc. And then it did sort of happen like that, didn't it? Like went back to Thunderdome for a bit, went back to empty Daly's place, and then all of a sudden, right, yeah, pandemic's done and we're good to go. So WWE specifically, I think, because it doesn't really apply to AEW, has used this as a reset button. Last week's Raw was such, and I, look, like, I know we've learned trumpets enough on these podcasts as it is. I would recommend anybody go back to listen to last week's Raw to find not just the giddy thrill of three toss pots get, getting their jollies off a show, like booking itself off a cliff, but genuinely having things that they wanted to talk about after so many weeks in the doldrums. Monday Night Raw was becoming this drain on everybody's energy. It seemed like it was draining WWE to produce as much as it was us as an audience to watch. And last week, I think in a strange way, it was even more welcoming than the SmackDown with fans because SmackDown has its supporters. And then it was just like, oh, here's some noise to validate what we've been enjoying. This was like, here's some noise to just make you forget about the last six months. So I, in a roundabout sort of way, if I've made that clear, I think the argument for crowds having a novelty factor will last longer on Raw because there was such a necessity for trying to enjoy it again. So I'm going to like lean into that for maybe a month. And then at that point, we're going to be like, oh, the angles are as bad as they were in 2019 and early 2020. Now we're back to reality. But just looking at this lineup, which you diligently prepared before recorded in the, the Adam Wilborn space that you've taken, I was just thinking, well, we're not talking about Fallout or what so-and-so going to do. There's events, you know, there's stuff. We've got to, like, cling on to that, I think, for as long as possible. Do we? <laughs> Do we? Um, yeah, it's, if nothing else, like, purely for how much of an absolute disaster last last week's show was, 
Like, I'm actually giddy with a schadenfreude thrill at what exactly is going to die, who is going to knock it over despite loads of investment. Just the thrill of WWE. Like, think about it. Like, they're not going to the same town. Like, we're, we're in the same virtual town. Did Like, our lives, our living room, our space, watching this show, irrespective of where it comes from. Um, so we are watching it from the same space pretty much all the time. So the novelty will wear off for us watching it in front of an X number of fans. It shouldn't wear off for those people in those places because they're in different places. They should be trapped working from home in their kitchens. As you can hear the kids going feral because they can't get entertained enough. They should be alive on these shows. Just so glad to be out. So glad that there's a new normal. It's not the one we wanted. Um, fighting a war against the unvaccinated throng. But still, <laughs> there's a certain relief. And the fact that these people are not feeling it on WWE television for all of it is just astounding and indeed funny to me. But let's see if they go wild, Michael Hamlet, for the Bobby Lashley-Goldberg altercation. So the story, if you're not following Raw and you do so through the prism of these review and preview podcasts, is that last week, after soundly defeating Keith Lee in his home state of Texas, Bobby Lashley was confronted by Goldberg, um, who said, you're next. And all the feelings since then have been Bobby Lashley intimating that, no, you're not. I can't be bothered with this. That's a hook, I guess. How do you expect it to play out? Well... I don't know anymore because the, yeah, Bobby Lashley was very much a no, you're not. And it wouldn't be that out of character for WWE to run identical storylines across Raw and SmackDown. But they have a more interesting no in the form of Roman Reigns and John Cena. Um, that's a more interesting match to fight for. And you sense that fans are going to want to fight for that. I'm not so sure that people are going to really want to fight Goldberg's corner, particularly for this match. He... You know, 2016, 2017 feels a long, long time ago in terms of Goldberg's WWE returns and how they've diminished. And a lot of, there's definitely a sort of a centre of a Venn diagram filled with people that are really, really pissed off with what happened to The Fiend against Goldberg and people that don't want Goldberg in the title picture now. Um, so I don't think he's going to be able to galvanise support in the way that John Cena probably will for that much in terms of a, a campaigning story. So Goldberg's going to have to look like he can earn it. Now, he's not going to do that with matches because he's contracted to two. He's working two days a year, and this is his second one. Um, so I honestly don't know where they go from Bobby Lashley saying no other than doing what they, I guess they did in the run-up to the Kofi Kingston match and rehashing that. It was quite effective where Kofi suggested Bobby had gone soft. You can't use the exact same words, but Goldberg can, I don't know, spear MVP or three more jabroni, just line them up and then almost test Bobby's metal a little bit. Bobby Lashley looked awesome when he came out that week all dishevelled and was ready to brutalise Kofi Kingston. He kind of sold you a fight with a promo, and that's not Bobby Lashley's style at all. So I wonder if that's the only kind of sensible way to rehash this. I think there's real drama around that match on the night because, yes, Goldberg's only contracted to two dates, but he could win and get cashed in on by the proper babyface, couldn't he, in the form of Big E? Um, he could lose. And Bobby Lashley could do the, look, you're done with, you're in the past. And then, I don't know, Brock Lesnar makes a return or something. I think they have drama on the night. I just worry how they'll summon it in the build-up. I, like, I've got weird faith in that being like 
four good minutes at SummerSlam and not a second more. But I'm not sure there's like too much meat on the bone story-wise on the way. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the build. Not least because we're seeing the exact same thing on Fridays. And it's just so not creative. Like, it would have killed them. And it wouldn't because I've done it before in 2002. One of my favourite sort of like B-tier WWE storylines where barely a storyline. They positioned The Rock and Brock Lesnar as two amazing athletes doing amazingly athletic things in the build SummerSlam 2002. And this sports flavour was wonderful. Bill Goldberg isn't an MMA guy. We can tell by his heel hook or whatever the hell it was he was trying. What a knee bar, bro. It's the only good thing you can remember from Matt Riddle's career at this point. But, you know, he's kind of got this hard man aura of this guy with heavyweight stopping power. Bobby Lashley has flirted with MMA and he can do an emulation of a worked MMA match. Can they not focus on the fact that these are two absolute shredded bastards, hoss guys who are, I know Goldberg was never really an athlete. Never an athlete is a pro wrestler because he never could go the distance. Like, he's an explosive athlete, but mm. that's a sell nowadays and a hard one at that. But still, he looks like one. Can they not do like press conferences, weigh-ins, both of them wearing like tiny little shorts? Like the Rock and Brock when he said it, you know what I thought about? Remember those box jumps he was doing on stairs and he would just yes. go higher, higher, higher. And he's like, yes, all of that all day. Like I, that visual's burned into my brain because it's so freakishly athletic why would you not want to see more of that yeah i want to see like lashley the assault course that everyone was burying at the time then me and you on the podcast were going it's the best thing i've seen on raw (laughs) like it's not a particularly hard thing to do this depict your absolute monster athletes as monster athletes so i'd like to see a build themed on something like that or they want to go full entertainment value and this is, again, as these words leave my mouth, WWE being such cheap bastards means it's not going to happen. They beat Bobby Lashley as an excuse to write off the women who used to fall him around because they were too cheap to fly them out. All right, don't beat your champion because of that. But regardless, they did. Could they not get, like, the skinniest independent scene wimps they can possibly find is, like, a bit of Gaga and have MVP say, look, everyone knows this stuff about Goldberg. He's got one move. He's got the spear. Lashley's got a better spear. And more to the point, look at how big he is. He can't be speared. And just like have a parade of geek upon geek, like trying to fly shoulder first into <laughs> Lashley's gut and him just standing there and withstanding it. And these people like nursing their shoulders in pain because they can't possibly get him off his feet, which is an exaggerated way of building that near fall when Goldberg does take Bobby Lashley off his feet with like one of the two moves that he can still do. I, I should book for this company, but I would never work under Vince McMahon. So, yeah, I'm expecting some kind of your next. No, I'm not drivel, um, unfortunately. But I agree. It's one of those things where it's like, because it's a WWE thing and fans will be loud and you know it's not going to go more than five minutes. It's like, I'm not going to look, look, I'm not going to check my phone once. No. During no. this, when it actually happens. So fair play. I mean, it's going to take four minutes, but that'll do. That'll do. Um for months, Amphlet, you're on Twitter. I know you've kind of reduced your presence on it somewhat. I'm trying to do the same thing, but it's kind of inescapable. Sometimes muscle memory just makes mm. you hop on Twitter. And for months, we were told, don't be such dicks, guys. Don't be such an arsehole, Sidgwick. Obviously, uh, they're waiting for fans to come back before presenting some fresh and unique matchups. And that's why they're running things into the ground because, you know, they're waiting for the fans to return. Right, the fans have returned. And tonight on Raw for the World Tag Team Championships, we are getting AJ Normals versus the Viking Raiders. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. Man. How do you see this one playing out? <laughs> <laughs> it probably for more, like, it's not so much turning the Viking Raiders heel as it is, like, introducing them uh, Over's cousin, not Over. Like, they're no longer, like, heels or baby faces. They don't exist. That pay-per-view match at Money in the Bank was, like, it was a disaster, really. But understandably, a lot of people were just kind to any kind of atmosphere. And, wow, AJ Styles is getting a, a big pop. Oh, he's being received like a star. This is nice. That bought it about six extra lives because what a catastrophe for the arrangement of a match that was. That WWE should, somebody within that company should have understood that that reaction was likely. And yet they didn't think to change the dynamic. They didn't think to change the formula. Um, Omos's spots weren't so hot that you couldn't see the wires. And that continues to be a problem with him as well. I don't even really hold it against him. You know, he's not the first giant to come along and get a spot prematurely. Um, and he certainly won't be the last as long as Vincent Mann's still in that chair. But it's now reached the point where you kind of have to turn these baby face. You have to turn AJ and almost baby face. It, was, it felt like that's what they were teasing last week. So I'm kind of surprised they're going back to that rematch. I really enjoyed the six-man last week. Um, energetic, really well worked. Non-stop, buzzy action. The type of which like, often feels like it doesn't even occur ever in WWE. They don't seem to be able to like manufacture that energy that like Dynamite does with such regularity that it feels like it must be a secret that they're holding on to. But it's not. It's just... Agent a pro wrestling match to the skills of your workers and, you know, good things will happen. And we seemingly got that this week. And this feels just like a monstrous step back. I don't want to see the Viking Raiders challenge. I don't want to see them win. Um, the team for AJ Nomos is RK Bro, but that's something we continue to not be able to preview because WWE are keeping quiet. It's really, really hard to try and analyse something that was very clearly put in front of us when we don't know what we don't know about Randy Orton. Yeah, it's odd this, and maybe if, look, here's the thing, it's not an excuse. If they'd established a healthy tag team division that sort of worked in itself as an ecosystem where they did enough groundwork to establish, I don't know, a team like, just off the top of my head, from a from a really good promotion, like the acclaimed Varsity Blondes, like two teams that have got kind of an inbuilt reason to lose at this point. One is second match comedy and really funny second match comedy at that. The other are like legitimately promoted as young green go-getters who are nearly there, but not quite. Again, it's part of that big philosophy of like accentuate weaknesses, not accentuate positives, hide weaknesses, but like sort of turned on its head. Like mm. sometimes the weakness can be a positive because it informs your grand booking patterns. If they had anything resembling T-Bar, an actual tag team division, then they could slot in any number of these teams from this deep bench and not have the same goddamn rematches every week. So as soon as the thought entered my head, oh, well, I've got an excuse because Randy Orton, we don't know what he's doing. There's, there's no excuse whatsoever in front of paying customers to do the exact same matches over and over again. And there was not an excuse for this, incidentally, when they were doing it at the Thunderdome either, not least because they've got almost as many writers as they have talents, and they've got like 300 talents on the books, or they did before they decided, oh, we should probably start letting people go. Top line's not good enough. So there's no excuse for any of this. I can't possibly get excited about the match. Another clean finish. It's going to kill off the Viking Raiders as if the booking and the way they're presented would have given them half a chance in the first place. 
it just feels like I can see it happening before it happens. And that's the last thing you want to do when A, you're previewing a pro wrestling show on a podcast, and B, you're a fan theoretically looking forward to watching said pro wrestling TV show. But I, 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 well, I will say, like, you can't, as you kind of alluded to there, there's no division to speak of. There's no, obviously, there's no rankings or anything. That doesn't mean that the Viking Raiders aren't like a super valuable act. I know. We know how WWE works. They're going to lose again tonight. I mean, Christ, they might win now that we're saying all this. I feel like we, like we should know better, but they won't. Like, they could lose tonight. They've already lost. They feel like losers. And off to, say, main event, they disappear to. It's not to a mid-card story that happens to not be about the belts. It's to nowhere and nothing. So it's far more damaging than losing... A, like, it's far more damaging than losing a title match when belts matter. Because at least if you lose that match, the idea is, oh, hang on, now we really need to go back to the drawing board. We need to start again, work our way back up. Like, that's better than purgatory. And that's where the Viking Raiders are headed from this. And they're too good. Their act is too refined. Theoretically, they are stars. But, like, everybody is just theoretically a star until the lack of appearing on Raw for six weeks says that you're not. This is true. This is totally true. You know, if they had actually rounded characters... Maybe like T Bar and Mace wouldn't have to like steal their chicken legs, turkey legs, or something to set up the main <laughs> event program. But that's what we're dealing with, and that's probably why they're not going to book them in anything going forward because that's basically what these writers are working with. So they're not going to pitch anything like that. They can't possibly write for anything like that. But you know what? It's dawned on me halfway through these burials of the Raw Tag Team Division that oh god, we're going to get made a fool of here. You know why? <laughs> because Mansoor and Mustafa Ali are actually in this tag. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. ...team division, and they're definitely a tag team that's absolutely going to be able to coexist and become a force for the months and who knows, maybe even years to come. They're in action against um, as yet undetermined opponents. How do you see this one going? Just can't wait to see them build momentum, honestly. Like, yeah, me too. Championship opportunities raining down on the lads. Um, I, I mean, it's not, it's not nothing. There's been what, like three backstage segments. So it's, you know, it's not an out of thin air thing for WWE, but like, but their existence together is. That's the thing. Like, just because there were segments that built them becoming a tag team, how did those? How do we arrive upon those segments? 
Mansoor coming up and doing the uh, sort of, oh yeah, I just want to be a big like star here on Monday Night Raw. You might you might have seen me like on the Saudi Arabia shows winning massive matches. In one case, literally the biggest one this company's ever hosted. But I'm the new guy and the new guy. And then up comes Mustafa Ali, reduced from the ex-leader of retribution into being the human chin stroking emoji. I'm going to clue out works around here, pal. And it's like, like proper blind leading the blind energy because yes, IRL, we love Ali and love what he's done and feel for him when he's come so close and then been really so far away. In kayfabe, how the hell are you supposed to read advice from Mustafa Ali? Like really, this is a guy that in kayfabe has led the worst stable of all time in a year where another stable had already taken that honour. And he was like, you know, hold my ski mask. Like, it was just the most preposterous group. Who took over from Retribution? Hmm? Who took over from Retribution? No, Retribution took over from Zelina Vega's gang of unnamed. <laughs> <laughs> We'd just done a podcast, and then it was like, oh, Christ, Retribution have got a name. That's, that's done us in. Like... Austin Theory is losing again alongside Andrade. Um, no, like just, I it's it's such a disaster um, in concept that in that strange, twisted WWE way, for a short while, something tells me it'll probably work in execution. Um, I would like if, to be optimistic and not just in a blindly positive way, rather than the obvious and rather than... You can love who I'm going to invoke it. Rather than Mustafa Ali being the Sean O'Hare of these times. Yes. I would actually quite like Mansoor to find the old joy. And like, let's get some high spots. Reflect Mustafa Ali finding a bit of like positivity again in the form of those awesome high spots he used to do. Let's see these guys look like a rockers, rock and roll express type duo for a little while. A little bit happy clappy. A little bit chuffed to be there, but then with like cool flips and um, dueling dives and mirror 450s from opposite corners, something that they can do together, you know? Yeah. And like, wow, yeah, things are pretty cool. Because even if it ends in a feud at the end and Staff Riley was like, you know, you shouldn't have got on my back, Scorpion, because I was always a snake. Like, we can have at least four or five weeks of things just being nice before a turn. Maybe care for that. And I think you can do it quite easily because like this team might work briefly. It's just, again, like before we move on, yet another continuation of something that is so unfathomably bizarre. And yet so many WWE fans are just under the mistaken belief that it's normal. Here's what's happening. Mustafa Ali is telling Mansoor, and by telling Mansoor this, he's telling the viewer this because these events are captured. You know, this place is rubbish and it's not a meritocracy and there are snakes at every turn and you won't get opportunities and you're better off just selling your soul just to try and get a spot here. Well, you take these lessons on board, we might get on TV for five minutes. It's like, what are you saying about how inept this company is by doing a storyline? But it's like, it's involuntary at this point. We've said it so many times. WWE being terrible is WWE canon. It's mm. just absolutely insane. And this is yet another continuation of that. And... Like people who don't watch this and people who aren't attuned to the specific wavelength of how WWE runs itself now, they must be must just be thinking, well, what's so rubbish about it? <laughs> Why is it rubbish? Oh, I, I'm all right, five minutes into the show and understand what you're talking about, but still don't tell me that. I, I'm a prospective viewer. In the spirit of like how the writing team always watches 30-year-old, 40-year-old films for references, do you think 
one of them watched Labyrinth and took on David Bowie's character as the chief babyface and thought, yes. oh, he's made a world that makes total sense and it's fair to its competitors. That's yeah. WWE. And uh, right, we've got and two Vince, more talking. saw the massive cock and he was like, that is me. Yes. That is me. That's me. That is me. Speaking of massive cock, sticky air. I'm, I'm joking. That's not a nice segue. <laughs> She's cynically got herself on telly and I'll absolutely have uh, all the time in the world for that. I was on Twitter, and it's Twitter, pinch of salt and all the rest of it, but um, WWE recently ran a house show, can't remember the exact name of the town, um, a super show, and apparently Nikki ASH got a decidedly mixed reaction, as you would when you are playing a child-friendly character in a company predominantly watched by 55-year-old blokes. Um, and it's the old, it's going to be a diminished version of the old Cena thing, there's like this there are people like us, Hamlet, who never got the memo when they pushed a John Cena and went to PJs. Huh? I'm still going to watch this children's TV show. <laughs> yeah, always have. We didn't get the memo. This is a different memo of the same sort of uh, theme. But she will address the universe tonight. Is Charlotte Flair going to come out and be a knob? Probably. I like because. Well, that's what happens when people love addressing the universe. So, God, you know, I really liked seeing address the universe was uh, Matt Cardona's lawyer in the GCW. Yes. I want to sue every member of the GCW universe. Did you see the match? I instead just inspired. Absolutely. Listeners out there who predominantly follow WWE through these podcasts, we are eternally grateful. If you've got, it'll come with a graphic warning, like it's a very bloody and violent match. Provided you are into that kind of thing and don't get turned off by gore, go and watch Nick Gage versus uh, Matt Cardona. Matt Cardona's stupid face yeah. is so perfect in that environment. He sells fear. He sells the idea that, oh, there's no countouts. What are you, what are you doing? He's, he's magnificent in this match. It's absolutely great. Go and watch this. But yeah, Nicky A.S.H., like, Charles Flair, in theory, like, is going to get involved. Is she not? She, she is right, because she sort of has to. You know, they're not going to completely strip her of agency. It's not, I would be pretty pissed off that she was cashed in on last week. And, like, not for the first time as well. So she really should know better. Um, you'd have to assume as well, as a, as a sort of side note to all of that, that Charlotte and Rhea is done. Like, at long last done. You got the feeling last week that it was finished. Um, thing is... I feel like, I said this last week on the Raw review, the win for Nikki Ash felt like it was reducing the women's title below what we assume to be eventually Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch as Becky Lynch's big comeback match, which is kind of an easy thing to book. They can wrestle each other in a sleep. It's going to be safe, but it's going to be big time. Looks big, but you're not actually giving away a Becky Lynch match. So I'm into that, and nobody's even announced it. Nobody's even made it an official thing that she's coming back for SummerSlam just feels right. just feels like the right time to do that match. And yet it's now nothing to do with the belt. What they've done again is kind of reveal that the belt can often be an inconvenience. So you shift it to Nikki now, and then you get on with building your main women's programme. And Nikki suddenly resembles, and he seems like the appropriate example because he's been a talking point this week. Remember when, remember Punk's first run? And it was like, right, go and piss off and do something with Bradshaw for a bit. or something. Yeah. Like but he couldn't have felt any more insignificant on Monday Night Raw as a result. Um Smackdown or wherever he was supposed to be holding the championship for. And it just feels like it's going to go that way with her. So as much as I think Charlotte will probably want some afters, I could kind of see them going to Nikki and Rhea or maybe Nikki and Alexa or something like that as that SummerSlam 
B women's programme underneath this assumed Charlotte and Becky Lynch story. Yeah, absolutely. It's just one long dragon chase, isn't it? When you record a podcast like this, it kind gets kind of brought into focus. We are reviewing a Raw. And imagine saying this, even in like March, February 2021, much less May 2020, April 2020, we were just saying, oh God, fans, when fans come back, all of this might be a little bit better. Not fundamentally, not forever, but more tolerable at least. When the fans come back, it'll feel a little bit of energy. No matter how wildly chaotic that energy is, there'll be a different energy. We are literally on the second Monday night roll back in front of fans. We're going, yeah, it'll be good when Becky Lynch comes back. And it's just <laughs> one long pursuit of that dragon that is long since aged out of the demographic. It's just not going to be good again. So on that note, let's talk about something else that's not going to be good again. Um, John Cena is going to appear, but we'll save that till the end. Keep the blessings on the hook. What happens now with Karrion Cross? Reports, and I forgive me, I think it might be Mike Johnson of PW Insider, but I don't want to quote him. I do want to credit someone, but regardless, someone reputable has uh, said that the initial plan was for Karrion Cross to wrestle Jeff Hardy. And someone said in relation to this, guys, guys, we're telling a story. They're going to do another. Oh, so he's going to go 50 50 again. So yeah. that's somehow better than getting totally jobbed out. Like, you're joking me. So I don't know what the plans are, but we've got just through being horrendous marks for too many years about all of this, kind of the inside track on Vince. <laughs> Will Vince McMahon somehow blame Karrion Cross for Jeff Hardy contracting coronavirus and bury him again? <laughs> just like he thinks it's this thing that like only exists in NXT. Yeah. <laughs> the little wrestler's brought his cold up. We don't have <laughs> Oh God, man! Um, I uh, it's it's just chaos on top of chaos. WWE, I'm not trivialising COVID, obviously, when I say this, but I just mean in terms of plans change, pal, and all that. They always invite this upon themselves. There's always like some sort of karma that needs to be restored when a situation like this occurs. And Jeff and Karen Cross is just another example of that. Um, they, I don't know if it is if WWE has become too irrelevant on an analytical level for me to say earnestly they've got a real problem on their hands because like now it's a problem now it's a joy but like now it's a problem and w exists in that gray but like if we're trying to care about this all in kfab they've got like a massive problem on their hands with karen cross they've invented one out of thin air and they did it in one minute and 40 seconds last week he's got a belt and he shouldn't be wearing it on television he's got to lose it to a semi-retired <laughs> authority figure right, at the next takeover. Um, but he's he's still got it now, and he's worn it on television, so odds are he'll probably wear it this week. The lack of anything in terms of bells, whistles, scarlet, reminds me of that story that I think I've mentioned on a pod before about Carlito's mate, Jesus, arriving, and he had all this gear, and he said he had gear that like made him look a bit like the godfather, like colourful hats, canes, bowers, all this kind of stuff. And it was Triple H that went out of word of them and said, hey, kid, I think you've got real potential, but uh, you need to save something for the bigger stages. Don't give it all away in your first entrance, otherwise you never get it again. So off goes the bow of the hat, the waistcoat. Just, it's Jesus trunks and boots versus John Cena. <laughs> gets one pay-per-view and he gets fired. <laughs> so he gets to wear stuff. <laughs> it's just like, I don't think that's what's happened with Cross, but I would imagine Triple H has gotten on the phone and said, don't worry. 
kid. Like it's all to build to that. It's not like not in NXT where first impression matters. You got to earn that stuff in Vince's mind and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm not so sure if last week's defeat will make any of that land. Will like will any of that really resonate? Like even if the man stigmatized at this point. Yeah, even if you're going with that incredibly generous take on why Vince does the things he does, if you're adding the smoke and Scarlet and whatever to the act after the fact, is that not the problem? That it's all after the fact. It's like we're really sorry we broke this thing. Can you take this yeah. like duct taped version of it, please? Um, it's a it's a massive problem, and genuinely, like the most sardonic side of me can't wait to see what they try. That's the try. That's what I want here. Is it? I don't welcome. I don't think it's going to be too try. <laughs> Tell them good. <laughs> don't, don't call me that. Not even Sean calls me that. Um, yeah, just. I have got a morbid curiosity over whatever the hell Karrion Cross does on Raw tonight. And it, it could well be, they put a wig on Goldberg once, he could be in a backstage with Elias or something, couldn't he? He really could be. I don't know. Wearing his belt around his waist in full gear, it doesn't even work. And he's just there, Elias is playing a song. Hey man, don't be so cross. <laughs> and he just drifts off. <laughs> drifts off. <laughs> <laughs> Get in. Uh, lastly, John Cena's here. Is he going to call Roman Reigns boring? And is Roman Reigns going to not be there? And is it going to be a basic excuse to get a really strong opening quarter hour? Like, am I right to be cynical? In the words of the future AW megastar, yes, yes, yes. Um, it's it's fine. I think I quite like actually the game of tennis. The two of them can play it over the two shows. Raw can be a bit more of Cena's chatty bollocks domain and then Roman gets the retort on a Friday night or in this case he tries to pie in completely because he wants to fight Finn Balor or whatever I don't mind it as a dynamic and this I'm a bigger mark than you for all of this but I saw a clip uh, over the weekend of, and I'm glad they're doing this because I think it's smart for Cena to shake off the rust um, and it'll like it'll bring people to the towns Cena remains a draw yeah, I'll not deny that I don't like it but I'll never deny that yeah like Cena like works the six mans or whatever it is with the Mysterios against against the bloodline and all that it's. I saw a clip of him finishing one of the Usos off, and I think he'd hit um, Roman with the attitude adjustment before that. And in that moment, it occurred to me that it was like, well, you know, I'm not saying I want a raw, an impromptu raw main event, but maybe give. So, I'm going to used to say Elias again. Maybe give somebody other than Elias like five minutes of camera time with John Cena. All he needs to do is say, "I saw what you said on Friday. I've got nothing against Finn Balor, but come on, Roman, we know what's going on here." Like, well, you know, keep it, Scott, keep the fires burning, prep people for something more on Friday night, where again, Cena will be. And I don't know, like, what's Humberto Carrillo up to? You know, like, I'm plucking a name off the ever-changing personnel page. But there's enough people there that would really benefit from time with John Cena, be it a, a small match, a run-in, interaction over an interview. They've got him for a month. Milk it, you know, something might come of it. You think of, like, the hurricane gimmick being born out of Steve Austin, kind of making a joke about Shane Helms tattoo. You just don't know. Do you? Yeah. Christ, these losers need it. Like it's a bunch of dweebs. Like who like if some scene if like some scene just sprinkles off on friggin' Lindsay Dorado's shoulder, like that's gonna be the best year he's had in the last five. So yeah. I just I don't know. I, I like I know that's a bit of an old fashioned way of looking at it, but it seems like wasteful not to not to try track. Try. Well tried. There, riddle last week, so maybe you're onto something. Yeah. Maybe you're onto something. Um, yeah, any suggestions you might have of who 
John Cena might interact with and provide some of that Cena does too. Sound off um, underneath the Twitter post on uh, Twitter. Where else? Uh, at what culture WWE? Uh, whilst you're there, you can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. You can follow me at M Sidrick. Once again, you can follow us all at the team here at What Culture WWE, and we will hear see you soon. Wilborn, come back. He's back on Wednesday. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.